Well, here we are again, folks. I am Evan, along with Hans, and, and this, I'm here. Yeah, and this to is, let you go ahead. <laughs> this is another episode of You, you Never, Never Studied. Studied. And apparently, Hans forgot who was introducing the segment. No, I didn't forget. And so, before we go any further, I want to give a special shout out to PlayBackyardGames.com, our sponsor for this week's episode, with our good friend of the show, Kyle Sears. Kyle is maybe the best in the world. Yes. He destroys that Ben guy yes. in every way. Especially hosting the disc golf portion of our men's retreat last year. That's which right. I got wrong, and I'm so sorry, Kyle Sears. Please find it in your heart to forgive me. Friend of the show, Kyle Sears, PlayBackyardGames.com. And thank you so much for sponsoring our show, Kyle. We're going to give you some free airtime. Free airtime. And you will give us a... Like on Facebook. You will share it with your friends. You will tell everybody that you know about this, and you will put a little uh, snippet of our episodes on PlaybackyardGames.com. That sounds awesome. Probably not that Actually, yeah, well, you could, though. (laughs) And then we also need a... You never studied cornhole set. Yes, yes. Uh, complimentary. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. We're complimentary. Yeah, we're complimentarians. Uh, <laughs> so, so I prefer my cornhole egalitarian. So we don't, we, don't, we don't have time. We don't have time for this, Hans. We, we got don't. a lot to talk about this week. We don't. I'm really excited to get to our first segment. Didn't you know? Now, Evan, I know you have a lot of things that you like. Yes. And I'm really excited about this because you're going to try and convince me in this episode over the next 10 to 15 minutes why in the world I need to care about the final frontier, i.e. Star Trek. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) No, Wait, what is this episode about? So you have been nerding out like really ever since we've started the podcast, you've been like, Space, 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 like a dog. Like I've tried waiting. to like wait for the right moment, though. <laughs> and you have, yeah, you have, and you and like, no, let's do like, you know, let's build let's up our ease audience. It, ease into it. Two episodes after we offend Kyle, I think is the perfect time. That's to what drop I said. Space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I thought also, thank you so much. Playbackyardgames.com brings us to this segment on space, 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 space. Okay, space. now there are some big things going on. Correct to you. No, to to the world. To the world. Okay. Yeah. So they're big to the world, and I'm really excited about you explaining to me what's happening. So so here's the deal. So you may or may not have known, but in the news not about have. yeah, in the news about two months ago, Vice President Pence moved up NASA's timetable to get back to the moon. He said he wanted us to fly our new rocket, the Space Launch System, to the moon by 2024. No, our new rocket, which has never flown, the (laughs) Space Launch System that is still in testing, super in the red. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But he's like, let's use that. Boeing and Lockheed, United Launch Alliance, totally messing this stuff up. Always that line. Let's fly that rocket and land it back on the moon. Yeah. And so uh, I think NASA administrator uh, panicked and took about two months, and now here we are, and we have a plan to get back to the moon by 2024 with a permanent outpost established by 2028. Where we will leave Matt Damon. That is right. No, no, he le- he's on that other planet. He's on Mars. Oh, How he's did we Mars. get to Mars first? Uh we don't know. We don't know. We don't know how that works in, this, okay. in that story. So this is a big deal for you. And so from what you've told me, and it's called Project Artemis, or it's called the Artemis program. Right. The, the reason for that is the you know the political marketing reason is that Artemis is the sister of Apollo, which was the previous lunar program, and, and this will put a woman on the moon. Okay, that's a marketing. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And President Trump wants to steal money from college kids in order to pay for it. I mean. 
what he wants to do supposedly is take surplus Pell Grant funds. One How point, much? One point six billion dollars of surplus Pell Grant okay. funds and add it to this year's twenty twenty budget earmarked for NASA's return to the moon. Okay. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I think, I mean, some people have even said that that's like a poison pill, that, that Trump's putting that in there because he doesn't actually want to do this. He just wants to generate the news coverage and, and kind of stir the pot and get people excited like he likes to do about things. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't think that that will fly. I don't think that, that Congress is going to be too excited about la- letting that happen. But Donald Trump likes to find money from weird places and spend them on things. Say he's going to spend them yeah, on things. Say yeah. he's going to spend them on things. So that, and that, then tweet about it. That is not necessarily surprising for our president to do. That, that said, the $1.6 billion is like a drop in the bucket. Yeah, explain like, that. Well, so the, the Apollo missions, right, we have to go back 40 years now. But like when we landed the first you know, rocket on the moon, when we, we sent it all the way there and we put people on the moon, we'd already flown 10 previous times just trying to get it right. right? Okay. And then we, so Apollo 11 is the – and all told, all 17 flights of the Apollo missions, that program in 1973 – cost 25 billion dollars so in today's dollars that's about 145 billion dollars trump wants 1.6 so we're gonna basically like buy a christmas ornament to yeah, hang on the rocket that's yeah yeah so they're 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 now we why need to, even why even get 1.6 if be, you need a bajillion so so we've already spent about 20 billion on the space launch system i think it was the last that i read the the, the that, rocket that's, that's the never new, that's flown the, the new rocket that's never flown which yeah. is which that that predates trump that's the obama yeah. administration kind of frankenstein from a previous program that got canceled because of cost overruns okay so you need to kind of understand like they're trying to figure out what to do with this rocket like what are we doing with this thing that we're building we need to give it somewhere to go. We, we're SpaceX is building rockets. Amazon Blue Origin is building rockets. Yeah, explain that. What's the privatization of space travel? So the privatization of space travel up to this point has mostly been automated. In other words, no human has flown a private spacecraft yet. Okay, right? They're they're working on testing that right now. But then that they you know SpaceX just got delayed because they they blew up yeah. that 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 thing in the static fire test. Of the uh, orbital, yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. The, the rocket that blew up. Oh yeah, the, the static day. fire test. Yeah. That's what we call it here. If static in fire the news means, world. Static fire just means that it's sitting on the pad and they're testing out stuff and it exploded. Yeah, uh, and that's what happened. With Sounds the, a lot like oh. the fights Courtney and I have. Already oh, okay. Uh, heartbreak warfare is what that's called. <laughs> uh, so per John Mayer. Uh, so so yeah. more people know who John Mayer is than the Space Launch Defense Exploration Unit. You're making you're conflating things. No, I'm not. And it's upsetting me. <laughs> so 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 there so the Space Launch System is this weird sort of thing that's supposed to combine all of the best things the NASA's done. You can just hear all the rhetoric and yeah, of course. About it. Like it's going to combine the shuttle components which are reusable with the the thrust of Apollo and the modern technology of SpaceX which that ain't true at all. SpaceX yeah. is way more modern. Um, but and they're they're building with Boeing and they've got a Delta rocket that they're trying to strap it on, which is existing technology and not that powerful. And so they're like, let's send it to the moon. Okay. And they're like, we got to build a place to go around the moon. So that's the other thing that they're doing. They're going to build, you know, the International Space Station that floats right. around. They're going to build a smaller version of that on the moon, orbiting the moon. Oh, really? Yeah, that's called the Lunar Gateway. That's part of this plan. That was the thing that got that greenlit today was the plans for the power systems for that was $345 million contract that went to like a company I've never heard of called like Maxar or something. It's probably not even real. And uh, and prob- probably not. And, and so, Some guy in his basement being so, like, I got so, the contract. So here's what you got to know. Here's what you got to know. 
They want to go back to the moon. Sure. There's there's general public interest in probably going back they to the moon. They as in the US government. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and Congress and uh, there's there's some bipartisan agreement that we should probably do more than we we have. The idea of commercial space flight is really cool. SpaceX is doing some amazing things. Right. That's taking a while to get off the ground and even when it does, all no we're going to No pun gonna, intended. Yeah, no pun intended. But but even when it does, all we're going to be able to do is take rides to the International Space Station. Yeah. Again, right now we hitch rides on Soyuz craft from Russia out right. of Kazakhstan. We buy seats on that for like I think it's like 130 million a seat just to pay for the okay. Uber ride to go there. Yeah. Like and so it's an expensive Uber. It's a very expensive Uber. And SpaceX is like, I think we can do it for like 50 million. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like and also it's on our soil with you know not a not ally you know like yeah. like so no they're totally russia's totally yeah, an ally oh so well haven't you read the Mueller report so yeah uh so anyway yeah just given that this gives us some of that back but also you want to go to deep space and the only time we've ever been able to go to deep space is when we're like hey let's Wait, throw what's, what's deep space deep space means beyond earth orbit like anything okay. beyond and technically even the moon is still orbiting the earth but it's okay. beyond low earth or mars yeah, we're not even going to talk about Mars on this on this podcast because but we that's, could. That's a oh, sorry, GoPro, everybody. That was the GoPro. Oh, camera um, did it. Okay, so this is what I need you to help me with, though. That, 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 yeah, that makes enough sense. Yeah, but I need you to bring me in and bring our listeners in. Okay, you know because right now, why should we do this? They're yawning. Yeah, why should maybe? We do this? But like, they want to know. I want to. I want to love this. So just help us. Well, What's going on with this? So none of us were alive. I mean, not, I say none of us. Neither of us were alive during the previous. Moon landings, correct. Which was one of the most astonishing achievements in human history. I think. Right, and also a big State of the Union or like presidential speech. Right, we will. Yeah, yeah. Right, and he made good on that. I mean, he didn't make good on that, right. but our country made but good talking on talking about like yeah. that vision and, and that need and to pursue something. Part of that something. was obviously the Cold War. You cannot get around the fact that the Cold War was fueling a lot of that. We got to get there first because they put a first man in space. They put the first satellite in space. They were getting all these firsts, and we we're like. We're just going to leapfrog them and go straight to the moon. And then once we did that, we were like, cool. Yeah, it's really expensive. Okay. What's long-term goal for coming here? We're like, gotcha. I don't know. Um, Beating Russia. Let's, yeah, we beat Russia, so they canceled the program. Okay. And, 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 so, and, for that, and then we were like, we need to focus on low-Earth orbit because that's where the science is. Gotcha. And so that's what we did. We had, a, we had a shuttle. So we need to understand, though, now we don't have either. We don't have a way to get to low-Earth orbit. That's not Russia. Right. We're working on it, but we don't have it. We we are building a vehicle that could kind of maybe go back to the moon if it had some newer parts. That's what this you know ten year plan, eight year plan is uh, is to is to get it there. But but we need to understand why even go back. So there's some practical reasons. I think you know um, we need to understand just going into deep space because we need to understand meteor, asteroid, comet impacts. We need to develop the kinds of rockets that can go and look at things like that. So spending money on space matters. In 1906, there was there was a Siberia there was an impact of a meteor in Siberia that if it had hit a city would have been like a nuclear bomb going off. It just happened to land in the Siberian waste, and, and that Can't, happened. Like, shouldn't we just trust God's sovereignty? Hundred years ago, to, we'll it, get to the, land where it. Leads we'll get to, to the land. spiritual stuff in a minute. Um, the the there's rare earth metals in asteroid belts. We want to be able to go there and, and find resources that we don't even know that we need yet. There's there's things out there that. That there's right. science stuff out there that is just part in the spirit of bettering our species would be good. That to makes go sense and find. because the iPhone's really not being drastically changed right now. Well, so right, yeah, we need this new innovation. We need the it alien. Moon we need the alien artifacts that are going to make it project holograms. That's right. And stuff. That makes and, sense. And then lunar exploration in particular, 
could substantially help Earth's like energy problems. Okay. Potentially, helium three is on the moon. Yeah. Helium three could help sustainable fusion. Sustainable fusion could help solve climate change. Sustainable fusion could also run cities and power and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And the moon has it, and Earth doesn't. Seems like a big pipeline from the moon to the Earth, though. Yeah, but again, if you're developing technology that gives you infinite energy, all Keystone, of a sudden, moon. It's, it's not a big pipeline. Yeah. You know. And then, of course, space the byproduct of space exploration. Everybody tells that because that's the easiest thing. We've got like, hey, what what has NASA helped invent? Uh, CT scans, home water filters, aviation safety systems. Home water pilot. filters? Yep, because they have to filter water up there. Uh, LASIK surgery, GPS, right? Wait, how and did sneakers. how did NASA make LASIK? I, I don't know. They developed the technology that is used in LASIK All because right, they need to use lasers. Not gonna lie, that's lasers. pretty cool. So. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm in just for the byproducts. Yeah, so byproduct. a lot of people are. They're I like, need we, some new sneakers. Yeah, right. Listen to episode three if you want to hear And then if we don't go there, other countries will. That right? makes sense. And so there's, there's a little – there's still political and security reasons to do Who it. Who are we most afraid of right now? I, China. China. I, I think for sure. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think that China has a altruistic uh, view of space that America has typically had. Um, that we they've shown that by just like blowing up a satellite in orbits of other satellites, so the debris is like you know carried through, and they're like, cool, that makes everything harder in this altitude, that kind of stuff. Nobody else has done. They're just like, let's just do it and see what happens. So there's a little okay. bit of there's a little bit of like we don't want them getting there and then being like, hey, we found fusion by America, you yeah, know, that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit With of that laser beams, right? And then uh, and then there's you know like from a secular worldview, of course, people are saying like this helps us learn about more who we are. The you know is there life? You know uh, how did the universe form? And then just I think the rhetorical like human spirit part of exploration. Why why is you know why did Columbus sail to America? All that kind of stuff. So there is a there's a some truth to that though. I think part of it is it's there. Let's go to it. It's three days away in a rocket. Why can't we go? Um, so yeah, that rocket part is an important part. It is. It costs a lot of money. Yeah, but you're still you were telling me it's getting cheaper. Mm-hmm. And it's getting cheaper it, because we can build rockets that land again. Yeah, we can build rockets that are reusable. I think that's a big part of like if you can get things that you can just like okay fuel it back up and let's you know clean it, polish it off and go again. Which SpaceX has had a pretty amazing track record of doing, except for that static fire low Earth orbit, and that was not to reuse again. That was like okay, it's flown. Now we're testing stuff again, and then it blew up. You know, so it landed fine. In fact, if you do you have like a, a video, a SpaceX video that you love that you can say, hey, if you want to see I'll send a Falcon one, Heavy We one need to see it because yeah. it, I have seen these. It's pretty cool to it's watch amazing. a rocket reland. Yeah, yeah. The the latest Falcon Heavy launch, which was a, not a test launch. It was just a real launch. They put a big satellite up in high Earth orbit. And uh, and they landed all three stages, one on a drone ship and two right next to each other on landing pads. And it's like, they're next to each other. How Aren't they going to like smash into each other and crash? Anyway, it's I like that. It's nuts. I like that, but I do. Okay, so I was this week. Yeah. Russell Moore. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Russell Moore, uh, the president director of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is a lot of the ERLC of the SBC, but he had this video that came out about aliens yeah. and what should Christians how should Christians view aliens? Which one watch blogger was like, the SBC is going to hell in a handbasket. It's right. all over because they're yeah, talking about aliens Charlotte online. Guy. Yeah, well, and but but yeah. this is my question, like. It he he actually said one of the questions I get a lot is about aliens. People right. want to know like what does this change about how we under so why why do why do we need to care as a people? Why do I need to care? Why is me knowing what you're talking about? How does that help me? Well, I think I think the question 
that everybody's really getting at in general is, is the Christian worldview compatible with earth space, like science, like should, should it, what is our theology of, of space exploration? What are we trying gotcha. to do? Why, why do this? If we believe that we're unique and made in God's image and mm-hmm. there's no one else, then there's nothing else out there and we don't need to go. Cause yeah. the Bible tells us that, right? Mail like, it in. Yeah. So sorry, we'll focus on what's down here. Cause God didn't say, you know, dominate the universe. He said, have dominion over earth, you yeah. know? So but what if there are people groups in space? Right. Yeah. Let's go reach them with the gospel. <laughs> C.S. There Lewis. we go. C.S. Lewis. David Platt is all over this you now. C.S. Lewis, who is weird about things for sure, but like in his thing, he was like, I think it's, you know, that we should. Like, if it's a fallen universe, you know, how do we know they've heard about Jesus? <laughs> like, it's like, I was like, okay, C.S. Lewis, calm yeah. down. Um, <laughs> but we as Christians, sometimes not completely without cause, I think are skeptical around certain areas of science, right? Okay. Be- because we, you know, we think about evolution and the origin of life and mankind's uniqueness in the created order, all those things. Space kind of makes us go, wait a minute, what do you say? How old the universe is? How old the, like that right, kind of thing. Yeah. And like, how did life begin? And there's a lot of secular science that is that is wrapped up and enmeshed in space exploration. So I think that we're makes right, sense. So we're right so to kind we're of be trepidatious skeptical. and skeptical about the reasoning behind that. Do you have like a favorite believer, astronomer, scientist? I don't know. Other than I, Mike Pence. No, I, I yeah, Mike Pence apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Me and Mike. Me and Mike are hanging out. I'm like, thanks, Mike. So glad somebody's <laughs> like me. No, I, I, I uh, <laughs> sorry, Vice President Pence. Um, I, I think. Um, I think that our skepticism maybe comes from a little bit of insecurity. Like, what if they did find something? Yeah. Like, you know, like, Which like, essentially like Russell Moore's like, like, he was like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. like how, what, how weak is your faith? And A, that that would happen. And B, that if it did <laughs> happen, that you're wrong, you know, and like that the Bible's wrong uh, and not just, you know, sufficient, but doesn't tell us everything. So it's not like we're going to find a monolith on the moon, like 2001 or something like, I'm not worried about that, nor do I think that Christians should be worried about that. I do affirm mankind's uniqueness in the yeah. in made in the image of God. And even if there is life out there, yeah, we don't know why there isn't right like the fermi paradox is is this thing and this is my last nerd moment i promise no no, tell me what this is but the fermi the fermi paradox basically says given the interstellar like scale of the galaxy given the scale of the galaxy how many billions of stars there are in it Mm -hmm. even if our star and our planet are super unique just in the economies of scale there should be like one billion earths <laughs> so where is everybody right. you know why aren't we all flying spaceships or if we can't fly spaceships because it's too slow why aren't we beam in signals like we're th- we're doing it we're trying to find something nothing ever bounces back right. nothing ever comes back so the idea of there being intelligent life i mean the fermi paradox basically says yeah there should it should be because we're not the we're not the youngest planet or the oldest planet like we're kind of not atypical yeah. they think and and nobody's talking and so like a big a big thing with that is as Christians, we go, yeah, that makes sense because mankind is unique. Yeah. Uh, so there might be there might be microbial life somewhere else. There might even be plants or animals somewhere else, maybe. But there's not human beings fallen running around on other planets or aliens that sure. are like, I need Jesus. So we need to put that to bed. But even know? if there, I, I guess if I can hear what you're saying, like one, there is this part of us, not just like one and two. Like the point is. There's a part of us that wants to go out, explore, see, view, what what has God created? What has God made? Yeah, you think about the early astronauts, uh, like like John Glenn, who was the the first guy to orbit the Earth. So right. he spent some time up there. It yeah. wasn't like a short 
trip up and down. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. John actually, Glenn, rest in peace. But friend of friend Grandpa of, Jimmy. Friend, of, friend the of the family. We actually have some space in our blood. Yeah, we do. Grandpa Jimmy was the director of photography for National Geographic and was in charge of the NASA press pool during the Apollo era. Love you, Grandpa Jimmy. Rest in peace. Yeah, and, he had and some astronauts cool, came over for the house. Yeah, he had cool memorabilia. He had a flag that was taken by I don't remember which it astronaut went to, the moon. to the moon. Like and brought he brought it back. Does Uncle Jim have that? I I don't know who I has. Uncle Jim I think got Uncle Jim got, got some of that. Yeah. But anyway, awesome. And so yeah, so part of it is definitely in our blood, and I like it yeah. for that reason. But, Former friend of the show, John Glenn but said. John Glenn said, you know, when he went back to space, remember in the nineties, he yes, went back as like a seventy something year old guy, and he said to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God is to me impossible. And so he was he was going back up just in the shuttle, like just getting to look, you know, again at it, then new technology and yeah. getting to experience it for a little bit. Just like, how does an old guy do in space? Like that's what NASA was doing in the nineties. <laughs> and 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 he was just like, this just makes me believe in God even more. You know, in my finiteness and his vastness. That's good. And 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 then also, a lot of people don't know this, but but Buzz Aldrin was a Presbyterian elder at his church, and the first thing that they did when they touched Probably down on PC the moon, USA. Uh, back then, it was still evolving unified. Yeah, yeah. Right. Was, yeah. Um, uh, but he, they had. But communion. it probably went PCUSA. He served communion on the moon in lunar gravity, and he said it would like pool up around the side and like do all these cool things that it wouldn't normally do just because it was slow. But like he did. How did that he invite his whole congregation out, out, to the moon I, for that? We're not going to talk about the ecclesiological, you know, <laughs> implications of whether or not you should do that. But okay. um, you shouldn't. Uh, but, <laughs> but but still, right? Like there was this idea of like I want to have this special moment yeah. to acknowledge who I am in view of who God is. And so I, like I, I think that science and space and and the Bible don't have to be mutually exclusive. You don't have to believe all of a sudden in old Earth creation or any any of these other things that you're like, oh no, to think space is you, cool. to think that space is cool or to think that going there yeah. is worthwhile human endeavor. I got you, man. I really appreciate you talking to me about these things. Yeah, you, you actually do. You do it in a way because we I. I I rib you about space a lot because yeah. I think you're a big nerd. I am. Um, but you help me and you do some things in how we talk about it that remind me of a book that I have just finished up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that reminds me of our next segment. Hit the books. All right, so tell me about this book. Yeah, so I read a book. Actually, um, I bought it probably two years ago as I finished up the coursework of the work at Southern Seminary. So, okay. so comp- when you were finishing your PhD. Comprehensive exams and uh, Dr. Pennington had some different teaching strategies and he recommended this book called Small Teaching. And I was like, this is a stupid title for a book. Uh, small teaching, but it's about how we use small changes in our classrooms in order to teach better, right? So, so this doesn't sound like it's that fun of a book. Okay, you're like, okay, no one's in the classroom, no one's teaching in Christian higher ed, probably who's listening, except for maybe Bart. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, shout out to Bart, you're great. And, hey, Bart, thanks for that quote last yeah, week. Thanks or two for weeks that quote, ago. and uh, thank you so much, Kyle, for sponsoring this yeah, yeah. segment. Playbackyardgames.com. Yeah. <laughs> so, friend of the show, Kyle Sears. But I bought it because I was like, let me let me at least figure this thing out. And I do enough teaching, instruction, talking, sure, preaching, sure. whatever. I thought this would be a good thing. When we started the podcast, is actually though when I started to read it because I was like, I'm going to have to talk about this in the study break. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need books. So there's a thing in baseball called small ball, which is where you do little things, base stealing, getting on like getting on base, stealing bases doing little changes that actually I know what runs. small ball okay, is okay well now that's where small teaching came from okay that, that right. metaphor but okay. you have to actually read the introduction to understand the world because you're like I don't even hey hey, readers out there <laughs> always read the author's introduction <laughs> because very likely they will tell you the purpose yeah. and how to read the I book I think you've recently said yeah, that yeah we've talked yeah. about that 
so I read it and I was like, okay, this is especially I, for nonfiction. What's this book about? An approach that seeks to speak positive change in higher education through small but powerful modifications modifications of our course design and teaching practices. And here's okay, I'm just gonna do a couple of things because I'm I'm gonna distill it into the things I like. Yeah, yeah. Would you like? Here we go. First thing that struck me was this is all based on kind of. Uh, research into educational theory and it's, and baseball and baseball yeah baseball baseball was the start but it basically said this this is the first thing we learn in ways that are actually less effective okay and when we are trained in more effective ways or when we have more effective ways like if we're students and our teacher starts to use more effective ways we don't like it and even if we're interesting even if we're told this is a better way this is a better like, way for you to learn you're nah. like no that's not how i do it so huh. one, one example is often the way that we study right so there's a way that we study where we, i never study yeah zing oh yeah you don't ever study mm-hmm. but we kind of do think about any class you've taken like we're going to master subject a then we're going to master we're subject, move b, to subject b and then subject c right? is it cumulative yeah that was me raising my hand sorry <laughs> we all saw it in our hearts and they're like no so this is this this process of teaching i think it's called interleaving but I might have pronounced it wrong uh, because it wasn't an audio book. Okay. And it's basically like, no, 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 no. It's actually sometimes better to give – this is what you do with space. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it. You're going to forget. Yeah. We're going to talk about some other things and I'm going to have to run back and to I'll, the first I'll thing I'll run back to it. About. I'll bring it back up. And then, so by the time you get – doing that enough, by the time you get to the end of the course, you actually feel much more confident in the entire That makes sense. This is how conversations would right. naturally go. So there's this constant movement back and forth. Now, not everything works that way. Uh, but essentially, it's trying to go. Don't go for mastery before you move on. Go for even competence, and then move on to the next subject and show how these things might relate. And when students were taught that, they're like, "Nah, like they like they don't feel like that's a more effective way." And yeah. when, and when teachers start to teach in these things, students buck against it because it's like, "This is not how I'm used to learning." You lecture, I take notes. So mm-hmm. a couple of things that I thought helped me um, as I as I thought about it, right? First, the book has kind of three sections. How do you gain knowledge, which is like base info. They're like, in order okay. to grow in a subject, you have to know things. And okay. then, how can you then connect those things so that you're building into your understanding? Okay. And then how do you inspire students? So three big sections. Okay. And so here's like knowledge, all right? Simple things where you go, hey guys, write down one thing that you remember from the last class. That's it. Just or, retrieve it. Yeah. Try and retrieve it. Retrieval, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was like, just write that down. Or when you start class, you go, you say that. When you end class, you go, what's one thing that we talked about? Now, here's what's funny. Is if you've ever taken FPU with Dave Ramsey? Yeah, Have you yeah, taken yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I've I taught it. You've taught it. So do you remember he, he at the end, he's like, one minute Write down your one minute takeaway. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, 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 the one minute it's takeaway. It's the exact same thing, That's right? Funny. So you have to finish. He seems like the type. And so you, you go, and he's like, before we're done, I want you to write down the one thing that impacted you from this right here, right now. Take a minute, go. Yeah. And so it's just like, so the, the Dr. Lang is basically writing this going, take some time in the front end, take some time at the back to show these things, or like predictive ideas where it's like, uh, we do this as parents. Hey, if I did this, what's going to happen next? And you're trying to connect for people like how this is supposed to work. So if you're sitting here and you're listening and you're like a small group leader, uh-huh. right? That's one of the worst things that you do sometimes where you're teaching kids. you are like, what would happen if, and then it's just crickets, mm-hmm. right? It's like, mm. but the whole point is like the more you chip away and you start to show connections because experts kind of mm. have this whole web of knowledge that students don't have. And so they can connect. When you talk about space, you're like, oh yeah, this thing and that thing and that thing. And I'm like, I'm at, I'm, I'm at point one. I don't really understand. Yeah. So you're always trying to show the theory behind what's going on, and you're connecting the dots as it goes, Yeah, and you're helping to build the web. So I thought that was really good. And then I think the final thing that really helped me was how they talk about motivation. That was the end. But like you have to appeal to your students' emotion, which is what preaching – like yeah, I teach pre- that in preaching. Preaching does 
does that? Like appeal to emotions. Mm-hmm. Because if you appeal to emotions, then there's resonance. Um, there's resonance there. You're more likely to remember the application. You're more likely so, to want to put it into practice. It's, but like simple things where, and, and this is where it's like tell stories that connect what you're learning right. to, or show how what they're learning actually matters. And yeah. this is what I try to tell people. We were actually talking to a guy at our church um, last week uh, about. I was giving some preaching feedback, and sure. I, I was like, "You have to show every Sunday." why this matters to you, to me, to anybody else. If you do not show why it matters, no one's going to listen to you. So I really like the book. Um, I don't think anybody should read it, meaning like every – I'm sorry, everybody should read it. I think that that, that it's going to get really boring really soon if you do that. But if you're into teaching, it's set up in such a way that you can kind of scan it and kind of run to certain ideas and just keep implementing. And I'm actually – I'm going to use it more in my preaching and my teaching, so I really liked it. Yeah, Um, it sounds good. That actually sounds like something that I might read. Weird. I know. All right. And that's the cool thing about you though is that you do find these things. You find these interesting ideas, and, and you aren't just a teacher. You're a learner. You're really good at Try to pick, be. You're yeah. a good learner. And I, and, and I, when just we were kids learning, growing up, just keep you, learning. you started learning guitar, yeah. even though I had spent a lifetime already learning guitar. Yeah. And you surpassed me in six months and started playing Dave Matthews songs. And that leads us to our next and final segment. Study break! All right, Hans. So what did we do last Friday? Last Friday, you picked me up. Yes. And we got our blanket. Yes. <laughs> this and, is starting out weird. <laughs> I ran – I was waiting outside by my front door, all actually true, yeah. in the driveway. I were waiting for you to show up. You yep. showed up. I got in with my blanket. And, and we, we went to the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion, and we saw Dave Matthews Band. That's play. right. For, for, the first, for the first time. Yeah. So we're, we've been Dave Matthews fans for half our lives now, yeah, probably. Ha- I mean, more, more than, than half. Yeah, yeah probably I mean, 20 probably, years. Yeah. I think I started listening to Dave Matthews' band when Crash came out. I don't you were before was, me. You I, were a little before I'm, me. I'm like seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. I'm somewhere in there. I think it didn't show yeah. up for me until mid high school. I was probably yeah. a sophomore. Then when I started playing guitar, you started learning it. I started to get more comfortable. Which, is, with which it. was hard. It took a while, though. I mean, those yeah. were some hard. You gave me a little more credit for the first six months. I don't think I was picking up Dave. Yeah, that's probably, tr- that's probably but true. I, I but it made do, for a good segue. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, so you wanted to go. I was like, I don't want to go. You're like, well, I'll buy the tickets. And like, we've, okay, never, we've never been. We're both fans of him. And we kept forgetting about it. Yeah. And we were the, this was like the first summer that we were in the same town where you weren't just like moving right. in. And I was like, you know, he comes here every year. We ought to do it. The tickets just went on sale. And then I was just like, no, we're doing it. Stop him and Han. And I, I bought you two did. tickets. You made yeah. me you're like, just go to the dumb thing. Yeah, just go to the thing. I bought you tickets. Just so, pay for the lawn chairs. Like most people, I don't know if people listening even care about Dave Matthews, but I'll just say this. Like I was reluctant to go because it's a Friday night. Sure. Away from your yeah. family for, sure. I mean, he played for three hours. Yeah, dude. It was no a opener. Long show. Three hours. Something yeah. like nineteen songs. It was like nineteen or something songs, like I think. that. Yeah. And um phenomenal. I'll just say that. Yeah. Phenomenal. And I didn't know like I didn't know what to expect, except like I know some shows are good, some shows are bad. Uh, but I will just say for however long, except for the carousing that seemed to be going on all around, um, loved the show. Man, I, I I will say this. I we both talked about songs that we'd want to hear. Like we, he has a catalog of like over two hundred songs. Two hundred and ten, I think, is what yeah. I saw somewhere. Yeah, and and 
he picks from all of them. Yeah. So no show New is the same. Every, every night time. it's the same. And like you said, no opener. And they just go and they play and they jam on some songs and other songs. They just kind of play more normal like the record. Uh, you know, and people think of them like, oh, well, they're just a jam band. So if you like jam, I'm like, they're not a no. jam band in the way that like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band are a jam band. Yeah. Like the way that they jam is so intricate and so like, I just guess like mapped out. That it it's just always so neat, and everybody's like a virtuoso. Practically, that's the crazy thing. Like is everybody that, in the band is so good. He's the weakest link in the band, that's right? And he writes all the songs. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, musically, he's probably yeah, definitely not. And if you don't know Dave, like I love their drummer Carter Beaufort. Yeah, yeah. He's he's sixty. I looked that up after we got done. That's sixty years old, best drummer. Like he plays. L- I don't and, know, and, the, and the lineups seen. changed a little bit over the years. The saxophone player right. died. The, the the violinist recently left. They've also added people yes. uh, like ex officio guys, like the trumpet guy Dushan, whatever his name is. Tim Reynolds is uh, basically Tim, Tim a Reynolds is now. he he is he's a he's yeah. a he's a full member now. Um, uh, and uh, Jeff Coffin, who used to be Bella Fleck and the Flecktones, replaced uh, Leroy Moore, the saxophone player who passed away in He's like 2009. Really good. And and I mean, no disrespect to Leroy, but man, Jeff Coffin is super really good. really good. And then uh, and uh. The new guy, uh, what's his name? Buddy, Buddy, Strong? Buddy Strong. Yeah. On on Hammond organ and keyboards, incredible. Yeah, that guy was crazy. That was every day was like the yeah. treat of the concert. Yeah, I would have never said, "Hey, you know what? I really want to hear what's going to be the showstopper." Is every day, but man, was it! And then even ants marching, no violin. I was like, "How's this going to work?" Yeah. That's like one of the most signature violin songs on his whole repertoire. Yeah, no violin, Slade. So good. Didn't care. Just so awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I just had a blast. Even I songs too. that I didn't know or didn't love that well. I yeah. was just like, man. So if you're not a Dave Matthews fan, you must hate music. Is I guess what is what I'm saying. I don't. I don't know what you're saying, Hans. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. I'm glad I went. Yeah. Thanks for making me go. I'm glad we went. And and I would go again. I, I would go again, like, yeah, too. And I think maybe we should take our brothers this next yeah, time because they were a little sad that yeah, we didn't invite them. Yeah, well, that's them. on them. Yeah. yeah. Now, I won't, I'm not going to pay for everybody. All yeah, right. So thank that. you guys so much for listening to us this time. Talking yeah. space, talking learning, talking music we like. Yeah. Um, so we look forward to coming up these coming weeks. And if you could email us your suggestions, yeah. you never studied at gmail.com or go to our website, you never studied.com and give us some things you'd want us to talk about this summer. We have a bit of a vacation. Right, yeah, scheduling We're things. trying to accommodate, and so we're going to do some, like, mailbag Yeah, topics. some episodes that so that you're still getting your weekly fill, but we might be able yeah, to we can do record some them at different less times. timely things yeah. that are just more standard. And so hit us up if you can. We look forward to seeing you again next week on You Never Study. Thanks, guys. <laughs>